welcome to the Energetics Exchange podcast, conversations with energy and climate experts. Please note that the information and commentary in this podcast is of a general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular individual or business. Listeners should not rely upon the content in this podcast without first seeking advice from a professional. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Energetics Exchange podcast series. I'm Andrew Tipping, General Manager of Clients and Business Development. Today, I'm joined by Emma Hurd, CEO of the Investor Group on Climate Change, which is a collaboration of Australian and New Zealand investors focusing on the impact that climate change has on the financial value of investments. Welcome, Emma. Hello. We also have with us Olivia Kemba, Principal Consultant at Energetics, who was engaged by the IGCC as the lead author on their report, Full Disclosure, Improving Corporate Disclosure on Climate Risk. Hi, Olivia. Hi, Andy. Great to have you both with us today to share your insights. So the report is a significant piece of work and the first time that anything like this has been done at this scale in Australia and New Zealand. And you've captured the views on climate risk management and disclosure from over 50 investors um, representing 22 organisations and more than a trillion dollars in collective funds under management. Maybe if we start with you, Emma, I'm interested in why did the IGCC commission this work and why now? Um, so IGCC, so we were actually set up, as, as some of your listeners might know, we were actually set up about 15 years ago by investors specifically to look at the investment impacts and implications of climate change. So that really means big institutional investors trying to understand where are their climate risks in their portfolio, um, what should they do about them, and how do they begin to increase their exposure to the opportunities that are emerging you know, as global economies and global markets transition to net zero by 2050. So making those kinds of risk assessments, making those kinds of investment decisions needs and requires better information from the companies that they're investing in on what their risks are and how they're managing it from a strategic response. So uh, the investor push for disclosure has really been building up steam for a number of years now, uh, really kind of cultivating in the launch of the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosure, the very catchily titled TCFD, uh, which was actually launched as a, as a project in Paris at the Paris Agreement talks the same time that the Paris Agreement was finalised. And I don't think it's any accident that the international framework and the project to develop international reporting standards actually launched at the same time because the two frameworks have been working hand in glove to really drive changes in corporate practice. So here we are. Um, launched in 2015, the recommendations came out in 2017. Here we are in 2020 and investors are really, really beginning to consolidate what their views are on what they think is good reporting from companies, what they don't like, what they want to see more of, and then in particular are really beginning to use the information that companies are reporting to to really inform their own investment decisions and their own target setting, their own strategies that they're setting uh, around looking forward in their their climate change investment practices. So for IGCC, we thought this was a good time to actually uh, talk to our members, to talk, to talk with investors and say, well, you know, of the reporting that you see, what do you like? What do you not like? How do you use it? What do you use it for? And if you are providing greater clarity to companies on what you want them to be reporting on, what should those recommendations be? Um, so as such, we kicked off this project We've done the consultation and now we've put out the report. Cool. Thanks, Emma. 
Um, and Olivia, I mean, you were heavily involved in the workshops that um, went through the consultation process with lots of different stakeholders. What surprised you in the findings of the report? What surprised you and what didn't surprise you? I think if you look across the sort of the four issue areas of the of the TCFD framework, um, had a few surprises and maybe the the main one. So in in governance, I was surprised by the speed with which uh, expectations have risen. So, you know, last year, the year before, I think uh, companies were that uh, articulated that they had a committee on their board that looked at, that oversaw climate risk management. Uh, that was kind of seen as maybe not necessarily sufficient, but uh, pretty pretty standard practice. And what came through uh, from investors was that that's not really good enough anymore. The next step is to be clear about what the expertise is on your board to discharge these responsible, responsibilities properly. And how is that related to performance structures and remuneration structures? And so that was really interesting to me because that, that was new and that had been sort of, I think, emerging relatively recently, but but was uh, supported by a very strong uh, majority of uh, respondents. I think the other thing that struck me this was um, in terms of strategy, there's always been a big focus on scenario analysis. And so what didn't surprise me about this was that people were somewhat cynical about the published results of scenario analysis, because there's been a tendency for companies to put out results where there's maybe no detail on the axes. So you've got a graph that says, here's a chunk of our NPV under a scenario, and here's another chunk on top of that. And we're, we're not gonna give you any indication of what the numbers are associated with those chunks. It's just a picture. Uh, thanks, Olivia. So, Emma, how about yourself? What, what, what was surprising in, in the findings of the, the report for you? Yeah, I, I, I agree with Olivia that I was surprised at the um, how quickly this is moving as an area. Um, and it was actually really uh, interesting to see that um, investors are beginning to consolidate and synthesise their views on, on what they want, particularly in areas as complicated as scenario analysis. So, um, you know, especially if you look at the report, the investor views were, um, you know, wherever possible use a standardised or, or an externally referenced scenario analysis. Um, not, a, not big fans of bespoke or tailored scenarios that companies are developing, but either which way, there was a really clear signal that investors want to see want to see the workings. They want to see the input assumptions. They want to see what the company's view is on which scenario we're actually on. What's the BAU approach? And the reason for that is investors are trying to get an understanding of what what are companies doing with this information. Not just are they undertaking a comprehensive reporting process. Have they done this whiz bang piece of analysis and then it just gets you know, put over into the into the publications department. Um, are they actually using it to inform decisions, to, in, to inform how they're responding? Uh, and how are they using that information to generate value for investors? Because when it all comes down to it, this constituency is most interested in what are the financial impacts and what is the company doing to differentiate from their peers and to generate value for their shareholders? So in terms of what was surprising, it was really just how quickly investor expectations are moving. And are we finding that um, disclosure is actually turning into strategy now? Well, disclosure should always be strategy. Uh, but what I would say is that traditionally um, Australian companies have always been pretty good at sustainability reporting, as in publishing long, detailed reports. 
Um, what no one's been especially good at is showing the financial value in that information as well. So really this is about uh, reporting for the purposes of demonstrating action, not reporting for the sake of reporting, which I think is not to anyone's benefit. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And uh, so do you think the mandatory disclosure of climate risks should be you know, part of the Australian landscape? Look, what we can definitely see is that this is where things are going. And, you know, we're seeing it in multiple jurisdictions. Um, New Zealand's introducing it, Canada's talking about it, UK, multiple um, different markets are now moving to standardise and to mandate disclosure around climate change risks. So it's really only a question of time for Australia. And obviously, uh, as the IGCC, we are strong supporters um, of the need to begin to regulate and mandate climate change reporting because we know that climate change is a systemic risk for the Australian economy. Uh, we know that everybody benefits from harmonisation of reporting standards. And from the investor perspective, investors really need quality, comparable and complete information to be managing their own financial risks. So we definitely think that um, TCFD reporting should be mandatory in Australia. I think as a corollary to that, then the uh the takeaway for companies needs to be if you're not already reporting against the DCFD framework, you should start right now because it's not just that it might become compulsory. It's also, it's not even just that it's moving quite fast in terms of what investors are expecting you to be able to do, but also just the, uh, I think the, the quality of information available to use to, to undertake the exercise is improving all the time, but it's quite complicated. I mean, Scenario analysis alone is pretty complex, although probably the most important part of that is figuring out what scenarios are most relevant and why to your company. And doing it well is probably not, not necessarily the outcome of doing it for the first time. So it's definitely one of these things where it's an iterative process. The more you do it, the better you get, the more value you can get from it and the more value you can demonstrate. Mm. Certainly one of the things one of the things that came through in the investor discussions was that no disclosure is a form of reporting in itself. So if you're not reporting any information on climate change, then that is also sending a signal to investors and investors are using that lack of information to also to inform their decision making as well. So there's no there's no defence in no disclosure. Um, investors will be um, interpreting the performance of your company regardless. Yeah, yeah. And, and aside from, you know, scenario analysis potentially being an area for improvement. What other areas or, or, or gaps did you find through doing this work? I think scenario analysis tends to suck up a lot of attention potentially uh, at the expense of the other areas of the framework because they're all important and the, the important element of that is also they're all supposed to contribute to an overarching coherent approach that the company is taking. So an overemphasis on scenario analysis could take away potentially from the fact that your governance uh, approach needs to be robust and uh, your the, 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 the key point that Emma made earlier this is supposed to feed into your strategy. Uh, being able to demonstrate that requires you to have actually thought it through. But you know, the, the risk, uh, risks and opportunities piece of that is a sort of critical building block. Have you identified all your risks? Uh, have you identified which ones are most important? Have you managed to um, kind of quantify that in any way? What are you doing about it? How important are the actions that you're undertaking? What's your sort of residual risk? Um, and then that leads into, well, how are you measuring that? What metrics are relevant? Uh, what, 
have you set targets? Are the targets uh, influencing your decision making? So all the pieces should be sort of nurturing each other um, and adding up to uh, an approach that's building your resilience to climate risk. But obviously it's quite a long, complicated process. So a number of companies have um, begun implementation with a sort of say a three-year a three phase process. Uh, it's important within that, that each of those pieces is still seen in the context of all the others. Yeah, yeah. And, and Olivia, the report resulted in a number of um, key recommendations. Uh, what would be the primary benefits for an organisation on acting on those recommendations? And what are some of the biggest challenges? So some key benefits, I think, are already emerging, and I think more will emerge. Uh, one thing that came through the, the work that we did was that there are two key uses for this information at the moment by investors, and one is as a basis for engagement with companies. So it's enabling that conversation to become uh, deeper, more targeted, more specific, and that will continue. Uh, it's also feeding into integration of ESG considerations, obviously climate-specific considerations into investment frameworks. Um, but as these, uh, as, as everybody gets more practiced in uh, reporting, investors are expecting that the uses of it will actually become uh, the, the, There'll, there'll be more opportunity to use it in more different ways. Um, and so the benefits that are starting to be seen already might be that um, you can get uh, access to debt finance on uh, better terms. You can demonstrate if you're in a high risk sector that you are more resilient than, than your peers. Uh, but ultimately the, the goal is that this information is useful to you as a company because now you know what to do about improving your resilience, building, your, uh, building yourself a position of strength uh, to deal with climate risk. So the, the ultimate benefit should be to the company. So Emma, now that you've finished this piece of work, what's going to happen next? You know, is there a, is there a round two in a year or, or, or so's time? Yeah, look, this is a really fast evolving area. And if there's one thing that this project has shown us is that it's moving quite quickly, both in terms of uh, company practice, but also in investor practice, and also in terms of the regulatory landscape. So this project actually emerged from a broader stream of work that IGCC does in engaging with regulators, with policymakers, uh, and with companies and investors on where the current level of disclosure and requirements are. So we'll be picking up the results of this survey and feeding it back into that discussion with the financial regulators in Australia through other processes such as the Sustainable Finance Initiative, regulators in New Zealand, uh, and also in the global discussions around emerging industry and market standards. The second thing I would say is that investors are not just report users, they're also report producers. So the output of this process will also inform the next wave of investor reporting on climate change, which is very dependent upon company data and company reporting for their own target setting, their own uh, reporting on their financial risks. And then thirdly, I would say that the, the outcomes from this process also feeds into the design of investment products. So a number of the participants in the process and our members are also service providers to the investment industry. So whether it's Moody's or Standard & Poor's or the MSCI's of the world who are building investment product on the basis of company data and reporting and who are also deeply engaged in the discussion around where to next for quality company disclosure that can be used to shape uh, and, and form the foundation of investment products. So in terms of engaging with regulators, in terms of informing investor reporting and in terms of informing investor product, 
there's a lot that we'll be doing over the next 18 months or so with the um, outcomes of this of this project and this process. And Olivia, um, obviously the Energetics client base represents a very broad cross-section of different businesses um, in Australia, both at the investor level and at the asset level. Uh, what did you find? Were there, were there differences that you found between um, you know, those different different communities and different users um, and, and producers of this information through doing this work? I think there's probably most experience among the sectors where this has obviously been a, a, a core concern for long for longer. So uh, energy companies, the big diversified miners, um, especially companies that have actually had a history with things like scenario analysis already. Um, there's more. There's probably more familiarity with the process and uh, an understanding of how to make it valuable. Um, but I think that for me, the big takeaway from this is that what investors are, are asking for is extremely valuable to the company, but it's not easy. And it's, it's this, this sort of next generation of reporting has gone very much beyond um, a sustainability focus and it's going to need to involve buy-in from across the business and uh, very high levels within the business because what it, it, to, to go to Emma's point from earlier, um, the aim is to demonstrate how this is actually informing business strategy. So it's not just the, the end goal of this process is not just to produce a report once a year. The end, the end goal is to figure out what you need to do and then go away and do it. So the, the, um, the, I think one of the big challenges for companies is just to recognize how they're actually going to uh, implement this process and how they're going to get buy-in from across the business to make it work. And Emma, so many of our listeners are from Australia's largest businesses and they occupy roles in which they're managing an aspect of or many aspects of their company's climate change response. Uh, to, to wrap up this discussion, you know, what do you think the main takeaways from the report should be? Yeah, I mean, uh, main takeaways from this report and the, the process that we've undertaken, uh, I think in my mind uh, for companies is really that we are moving into a new phase of reporting and disclosure where the um, reports that companies are producing really need to be going to that next level of integration. So really demonstrating um, uh, what the company is doing about climate change, not just the fact that it acknowledges it as an issue uh, and that it, it is developing a response through its reporting, but rather here are the specific financially, financially material risks embedded within the company's portfolio. These are the key areas where they believe there is the potential for impact these are the steps that they are taking to mitigate those risks and that is why they are better positioned relative to their peers and thereby a better bet for investors looking to place their capital with large companies. It's really that financially material strategic discussion that investors are looking for. They don't want to wade through 600 pages of process. They want to see how that process is contributing to a penultimate finding that your company is better placed than all of your competitors to attract capital and a decarbonizing economy. Ultimately, that's, I think, the key finding of this process. Um, it's also very much a demonstration, not just what investors want from company reporting, but also it's a really useful insight into how investors are using the information if you are producing a company report. So having a good understanding of one of your key audiences for climate reporting 
um, is also, I think, incredibly useful for people working within companies preparing these reports and thinking about what are they going to do next in terms of data analysis um, or disclosure or narrative or what's most useful for their audience, what's most investable in terms of the reporting that they're producing as well. So I, I, I think the I think that's probably some of the key the key takeaways is show your action, um, um, show your strategy, show your value in terms of how you're managing climate change. Thank you, uh, Emma and Olivia. Uh, a very interesting conversation and, and well done in producing such a deep and, and robust uh, piece of work in this in this emerging area. Um, and thanks also to our listeners. If you have any follow-up questions or would like to provide topic suggestions, please go to the Energetics Exchange on our website or contact your Energetics Account Manager. Energetics Exchange Podcast, conversations with energy and climate experts.